I saw a thing on Twitter today that was asking a question on Twitter, asking if you let people roll their own dice on online games, or do you require everybody to use the dice roller? Which I think leads to the larger question of, do you trust your players, or do you even care what your players are rolling? What are your thoughts? Uh, and so are we asking uh, the online question or no, the start, trust question? Start with the online question. We'll work our way down the list. Start with the online question. Do you require, for online games that you're running, do you require people to use the dice roller, or can people just use their own dice? Um, people can use their own dice as far as I'm concerned. I don't care. Same here. Go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% down with uh, down with letting people just roll their own dice. Yeah, yep. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yep, the only thing, sometimes, depending on the game, sometimes I just want to know what number they rolled. Tell me that you rolled. Other times it's like, pass or fail, I pass, that's fine. Sometimes it's just important to know how much they failed by or how much they passed by, but that's really about it. I agree. I've done it with you guys during the mm-hmm. pandemic mm-hmm. when we were online, and I've done online games for online conventions where I just tell people, I'm like, you can just roll your own dice. People will ask me, like, oh, where's the dice roller for this game? And I'm like, I, I don't know, like, what do you got on your desk? Yeah, well, yeah right. <laughs> <the dice laughs> you got your yep. Which threw, like, when I did Gauntlet Con, that threw people off because those guys use dice rollers. But I like dice. Right. I like I roll my own dice. There was when we were playing during the pandemic, we were playing Forbidden Lands and that had a pretty uh, intricate dice roller in terms of you could pick your dice and hold dice and re-roll dice and whatever. But I never did. I think you guys used it because you guys wanted to because it was built into your character sheets. Yeah, it was built into the character sheets. Plus, you could do macros and stuff. So Jim was making macros and I did a couple of them. I was cool. like, I'm just rolling my like I'm rolling my dice on my on my desk while we're playing. I mean, I'll be honest. When I've played a lot of the games that I've played online that had dice rollers, unless it was a game where the game would have to do some calculations for you and give you results, it was often more annoying to use the dice roller than it was just to roll some dice because you had to click and find and point. Um, we used it for Aegon because Aegon just building the dice pool and the pluses and minuses is exercise and tedium, so it was easier just to. Click, 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 and let it figure out all the pluses and minuses and everything. But most of the time, I think it's just fine. Just roll the dice, tell the GM what you got. Um, have a good time. Um, I think it's which brings us to the second question, which was, do you trust your players? If you don't trust your players while you're playing with them, on the one hand, I trust my players. I'm not worried about it. On the other hand, if somebody really needs to cheat to have fun at the game, who's it hurting in this case? I'm not really going to worry about it. I mean, if they roll 16 criticals in a row, maybe he's a suspect. But if somebody fudges their dice and I don't know about it, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'll elaborate on that because I actually echo those things. Mm -hmm. So I'll extend that word trust to, I'm not looking at it in terms of do I trust my players that they're telling me what they rolled. I trust my players to make sure everyone's having a good time at the table. That's better So if that means that on occasion they either intentionally miscalculate, forget to add a penalty in, whatever or just plain tell me a different number because, you know, they're not having a good night and want to, mm-hmm. you know, turn it around a little. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. What I trust is that when that happens, people aren't abusing that. Yeah. I, I trust that when that happens, somebody's like, I've missed a bunch of times, for instance, Sunday's game <laughs> where Bob flipped over his dice tray because he rolled so badly in NBA. I honestly, if you had just told me a number on one of those, like after failing a couple times, if you had just been like nine, I'd have been like, awesome. Glad your streak's broken, right? Like I would have not even blinked about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I don't want you to flip over your dice tray. Like, yeah. 
that, that's not fun. That that's where to me you're most likely going to get an innocent quote unquote version of fudging because you get into a position where you're so frustrated that things are just not going your way on the dice and you just like internally you just snap and you're like yeah. fuck it. <laughs> I've had that night, right? right? Yeah. I've had nights like that and normally I try really hard to to stay above board all the time and I have had moments where I caught myself like holy shit I just I just I just totally fudged that number. <laughs> Well, we, we've been in games where people have caught it after the fact. They've caught themselves. Oh, and yeah. our, our players will come back and do things like, like, oh, shit. I forgot. I, I only had six dice, not seven in that last roll. So, eh, don't worry about it. You know, we don't care. It didn't matter. Yeah. Succeed or fail, nobody cares. But, you know, you've seen people who suddenly realize, they like look at their curve sheet, like, oh, man, I still have that penalty, don't I? You yeah. Know? Like uh, Jim, who was honestly like forgot he had that minus one. To his thing because of his injury, yeah, and 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 he's like, and he's like, he's like oh shit, I'm injured too, and feels like, yeah, hey, if we've already Jim owned up to it immediately, yeah, and went to pick up his dice, it feels like, yeah, don't worry about it. If we've already narrated the outcome, yeah, I'm very much not interested in backtracking. Mm -hmm. Like, make sure you do it going forward, yeah, mm -hmm. especially if like, it's not a like a huge, yeah, no, and change. And sometimes I've like retroactively fixed hit points. I'll be in a combat and I forgot something mm -hmm. or whatever, and then I'll just be like, oh, and it, like I'll knock a few hit points off it, of something. And in Jim's case, this is the first time his characters had to deal with this in the entire, what, 10 sessions we've played. Oh, it is. Yeah, so he's had a good run of so, not getting so, hurt. So it's perfectly, I mean, and, and it was obvious to everybody that Jim literally legitimately like, forgot, forgot that because he just yeah. got healed and then got taken care of. So it was, but it happens. And, he, and yeah. Jim was an excellent player, caught it immediately and said, I'm going to own up to this and, and nobody at the table cared. Yeah. But, but, he was, but he was putting it out there as, I'm being honest because that's how Jim is. So, and I think all of us at that table yeah. just fine like that. What's your thoughts? Yeah. My thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I echo most of most of your folks' thoughts. But um, I guess the bigger thing for me is like if you don't trust if, if you're gonna cheat and like fudge your dice rolls as a player, that almost indicates that you don't trust me as a game master to make the game fun for you. That, so that's where I'm at at that. Like if I if I'm like I've seen people like do the thing, mess with their dice rolls, and also like being like, oh, I got the critical hit that I needed when I needed it for the group, and I'm like, well, you just kind of like made it so that nobody else in the group could possibly do that too. You didn't let the dice, which are part of the game, actually help play the game out. Which that's why we have dice. Yeah, I'm yeah. I mean, it is a randomizer to help with upbeats and downbeats, and it is up to the. In a lot, in, in, I believe that it is up to the game master to help modulate how those upbeats and downbeats hit based on the dice. Like you are in a constant push pull with the dice. So if you cheat by doing that stuff, then you are basically saying that you don't trust me to run the game for you. I, I got to be honest, and I think that with a little bit of arrogance here, the four of us as GMs are also very forgiving to the players as far as we want to have a good story. I'm a fan of the character. And I think that's a better way of putting it because I've seen. I mean, I've been in games where if I had a run the way Gria's had the last couple of weeks you know, critically fumbling six out of ten rolls, that would have been it for my character. He would not have survived three weeks. Whereas in Phil's game, it's just things get more interesting and more fun. They go off in a chaotic, in a chaotic direction, yeah. but that's okay. It has to do with the way the game's played. So let me say this. There are certain games that lend themselves to not being messed with mm -hmm. mechanically, right? I have a long, long time ago, Chris and I did a topic on fudging dice as GMs. And I have always said that the only games I ever fudge dice with in, as a GM are games where there's very little narrative latitude to the game. So, for instance, in Cortex, when mm -hmm. you roll a bunch of ones, mm -hmm. I'm going to buy them. 
So you're getting something out of failing that roll. Mm -hmm. In Dungeon World, if I roll a string of sixes that night, I'm walking away with a whole bunch of experience points. I'm probably Mm going to level up. And the GM has a lot of latitude about what to do to my character. That's that's, that's the important thing. Right. GM has a lot of latitude to decide what happens. The game, and again, we all know I haven't played the most current version of this, but the system that I have as a GM fudged the most dice rolls in is D20. Because it is the game that had, up to 3rd and 4th edition, the least latitude of what I could do when dice failed out. I mean, when you look at things like 1st edition, 2nd edition, and BX, where there were an awful lot of roll or die kind of dice sure. rolls, that does make a huge difference. Those are very yeah. old games. Yeah. 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 But well, yeah, for yeah, instance, yeah. I've done the thing... Also, I'm not playing those games unless that's part of the experience that I want. Was like, well, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, at, I'm living at the whim of the dice. Yes. Right? I have done things where uh, if a player is having a bad night of play, I will adjust down uh-huh. difficulties behind the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't tell anyone that, but like... Yeah, that's that's part of that game master. The D fi- yeah, that D17, exactly. that DC17 yeah. is now a DC15, a DC13. Yeah. That goes You're going to make this roll eventually. Like That goes right back to what Chris said before about trusting the GM uh-huh. to help the players with those beats. Because if you're having one of those nights where everybody at the table is struggling because of the dice, uh-huh. then the GM should theoretically be helping to alleviate some of the of the of the the negativity I think so. from all those downbeats yeah. because I, again you're all there at the table trying to have a good time mm-hmm. and yes we need the dice because they're part of the experience they they create those those beat changes and yep. and and the randomizer is there for a reason right but if you're just going to sit there and be like well the dice said that you guys suck tonight i guess you're all going to die and the game doesn't necessarily have to go that way, especially if there's a lot of narrative latitude. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the GM should be going, okay, what can I do here to bring this back up? Well, that's why I've liked, I've watched, <coughs> I've actually been in games where as a player and as a GM, I've watched it. You can see the GM being narrative in such a way that they give themselves that out. Because sometimes you'll see players who are like, well, we know that we need a 17 to take this guy. And all of a sudden somebody rolls a 15 and the GM's like, like, well, that last hit that you gave him, remember I said that he was stumbling around? Yeah, he dropped his shield, so you got, you know, there are GMs, you'll watch them setting up that sure. narrative thing ahead of time so that when the right player comes up that is missing all the time, it looks like it's something that was already done that makes it without the GM just dropping a number. There's a skill to, and yes, I see Chris smile because I know he does this sometimes. I do it all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, he's not the only one, though. It's a skill to cultivate, man. Yeah. But it, so it looks seamless. Yeah, it makes sense to do it. Can, yes. can I right. make a point about, yeah. about narrative stuff in, in, in like yeah. any, even tr- in traditional style games? Sure. Like mm-hmm. I use narrative stuff in D anD D all the time. The reason I use narrative stuff in D anD D all the time is because the technique is: I say, "Would you please just tell me what's going on with your character? Like, what does this look like? How are you doing this?" So that I can then utilize the narrative that you are telling me to help you later potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm not looking for an in or an or, or a way to to make your life harder. Generally, I'm just looking for a way that I don't have to, I can actually narratively make this thing make sense and provide you a, a, a soft move, essentially, like, okay, you're in a bad spot, but you can make it up. Or, like, you know, you're in this spot, you can get out of it by doing these, a number of things. So let me ask you a question. Sure. Since I'm the most naive of all 5e players, as in hardly played, is that part of the rules? Or is that a house rule you have grafted onto onto the game experience? Um, so... so there, there, are yeah, two, ahead, there are two answers. That the first I mean, is, I can tell you the answer, but go ahead, Jerry. At the very at, at the introduction of D and D five e, when they released it at Gen Con, and the creators of the game gathered all of the GMs into the room, 
and gather us all together. And they said, the first thing we're going to tell you is that when it comes to the rules, if you need to narrate something or describe something or tell a story in such a way that bends the rules a little bit, but everybody's having fun, that's your goal at the table. And that was flat out from the creators of the game. And the I appreciate yeah. that, but yeah. that, that was my next yeah. question was, is that in the book? Because yeah. the designers can tell you that all they want, but they don't, if they don't put it in the book, people reading the book later aren't going to yeah. do it because it's not in the book. Yeah. It says it right at the beginning of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is your game. Do what you want with yeah. it. Like modify things and failure in, especially in skill checks and things like that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, ability rules, because that's, yes. that's a technical term, are failure is not a solid state. So there's two schools of thought for this now. We don't play games necessarily based on what the rule books say. We play games based on our experiences with it from the past and what we see in the future. Mm -hmm. There is a school of thought out there that the it is a pass-fail game, and if you fail, then nothing. Then, then you have achieved the fail state. If you have passed, you have achieved the pass state. Then there are plenty and plenty and plenty of streamers online these days that are playing D&D that have thrown that out and are like, oh, you failed, let's fail forward. Yeah. So now we have like so many different schools of thought about well, how the game works. Because that's how people technically t typically learn how to play the game mm -hmm. instead right. of from the rules. But the rules say you should do this the way that you want and failure is not a solid state. So yeah. the point I'm making isn't really it's not in the rules, a.k.a. it's bad, right? I don't, I don't really care about that because, like you said, people play games the way they want to play. The question I'm asking is from a table, table culture point of view, have you set the expectations with the players that I do this thing? in-game, at my discretion, on the fly, based on the narrative that you guys set down in the game? Or, and again, and, and this, this question comes with no judgment, or is this just a GMing tuning skill that you are running with that as, like, in flight, you are just making adjustments to the narrative, to the game, mechanics and such, based on your interpretation of how the flow of the game is going, upbeats, downbeats, and things like that? I mean, I mean, let me think. I have to think about it. Okay, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually answer it from my Sunday night game, because I did the same thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. okay? I have not had that discussion with any player, so I'll set it up for you because you're the only one who wasn't at, the, at that game. We played Knights Black Agents on Sunday. This was a follow-up mission to an already very kinetic mission that the players had been on where they attacked a bunch of vampires in a building okay. and then found the location of a nearby other site and we're like, we can't wait on this. We need to go in. So I gave them a modest pool refresh. I was like, add 10 points to your general skills. And then we're starting tonight's session. But okay. they were still somewhat banged up, somewhat low on points. And then went full kinetic into the next adventure. Sounds which like fun. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Which had several day walkers, a full vampire, and a bunch of stuff going down. That must have been scary. Although they had lots of yes, it was. resources yes. at their disposal. It was. It was terrifying. They were having a bad night of rolling, but also... I sculpted the narrative so that it didn't wind up being all targets engaging the characters at the same time. Mm -hmm. There was like some staging of the, like there was, there was staging are, of the target. Are you saying that you action movied it? I allowed some narrative input to set the pacing. So mm -hmm. Glenn's character took an action to lock a set of vampires into a lab. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool. And I had them make a couple like rolls to see if they could break the bulletproof glass windows or eventually when they couldn't, I had them tear open the airlock door, but not after turns went by and they were able to neutralize one target, that kind of thing. But I could have just hit them five on five full straight up vampire. Oh, fight. they would have died. 
Yes. And probably would have It would have been ugly, yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably would have wiped was him the, out. Was the guy, I never actually asked this. Have you ever, was the guy with the server a human or was he a daywalker? What was he? Uh, he was a ghoul. He was a Renfield. He was a Renfield. He was, he was, he was not spectacular. You know, the, you know, the guy that Bob was, was having there's a, fighting. There's yeah. a lot of good things in that scene, in that scene, yeah. that scene, yeah. aside from yeah. like the narrative pacing, like mocking the vampires, one player made a, a clever move, mm-hmm. right? Like narratively made a clever move Two, that creates tension because you never know when they're going to get out. Like yes. they're getting out at some mm-hmm. point. Well, yeah. and I made up some, I made up some on the fly rules. I'm like, okay, I'm going to assign this much health to the glass mm-hmm. with this much armor because it's bulletproof and, and, glass. And if you're smart, you did it so that they weren't, they're never breaking out in the first round, but they mm-hmm. can potentially break out in the second or the third mm-hmm. round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, we were all thinking it's a vampire. That vampire is going to pick up that office chair. They're going to smash it against the glass. Glass is going to break and they're going to come out. I yeah. honestly thought that too. And it didn't work out that way because the dice said, no, he didn't break the glass. It didn't. And so when I moved to the airlock, I was like, well, I will make a roll. But in this case, I can use this trait called aberrance, of which the vampire has a ton of for using for vampiric strength. And I was like, I'm just going to blow a whole bunch of, va- yeah, of aberrance. This time. And I'm just ripping this door. That's less points they have later to do stuff. Sure. Yeah. And I made it a soft move for them because what I did was I, I told everybody, I'm like, you hear the sound of the metal pins breaking in the door, a bolt from the thing goes flying across the room and embeds itself in the wall. Like this vampire will be coming through this door next turn. By the way, our soft move, hard move terminology is based on um, power of the apocalypse. Absolutely. Games. If you don't know what that is, go, go look it up. So to tie all this off, I guess what I'm saying is I totally do the same thing you're mm-hmm. doing, right? I totally adjust the narrative of the game and the mechanics of the game in flight and I've never sat and talked about it with my players. Like, I've never said to my players, hey, I take some leeways from time to time when we run this game. I don't always tell you about them. I just do them as I am steering the boat we are all in together, yeah. right? Like, when I need it to slow down, I will slow you down. When I need it to speed up, I will lean in a little, like, those kinds of things. But I've never had that discussion. So that's what, that's why I was asking you if you've ever done it. Well, that's the thing. I, I didn't have it. I don't... I can't remember. It's been so long. Right? I will say that for this particular game and the ones before it, I don't remember you ever actually making a statement to that effect. Now, that being said, being a player for both of you for lots of different games over a number of years. You expect that. Yeah. I know how you guys run your sure. games. And while I may not have specifically known in my brain that you were doing that thing, I knew you were doing something because that's the way you guys run games. Mm-hmm. And it just worked, and I didn't question it. That goes with longevity at the table. Now, if we had somebody that was relatively new to the group that didn't have that kind of experience, this, this is why I want to talk about this. Exactly. Because I have a group that's brand new to me. Yeah, like I, I'm running for a, a bunch of players that I've barely run for, mm-hmm. or have never run for. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Archmage's, Le- Archmage's Legacy campaign, I don't think we had that discussion formally or even informally. I think no, we just we played. Yeah, we just played it with Eberron. We didn't have it with Eberron. It just kind of... It just kind of happens. Yes. Which is why Jerry was probably very confused until like he like he's like, oh, I can just trust Chris to do things and make, <laughs> the, make the game well, solid. And, and, and that's going to lead to something else, which is, as a GM, if you either let your players know this either formally or informally, what's going on, one of the things that will happen is your players will play less... Paranoid. Correct. They, they will take slightly better chances with their characters. They'll be more creative. They'll also tell the GM, 
this is what I want to do. And no, the GM isn't going to turn around and go, aha, now I know how to stop what you want to do. They're going to go, oh, let me help you uh, do that. That's just good game. Like, it, we, it try to, we try to promote that style of game yes. for 500 almost episodes. Yes. I'll take point. it one step further. <laughs> yes. I'll take it one step further. If we have that talk at the table in session zero, mm-hmm. and I know that's an available tool as a player, mm-hmm. that if I can work the narrative a little, mm-hmm. that I can get some... I can get some movement in my DCs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that when it's time to describe my turn, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I work it hard. Yeah, because you get, a, you get a mechanical bonus from your narrative action. I'm pretty sure I told those folks that I am playing with on my other Friday group something to that effect. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to remember. Mm-hmm. It's, been, yeah. it's been months, right? Like, I didn't tell you guys because we play together all yeah. the time. Yeah. And I've played with Jen and Bridget a bunch of times too. So I didn't have, I didn't say that. But those those folks, if I didn't say it in session zero, I know I've said it during one of our stars and wishes sessions. Yeah. Like, look, you don't have to. Or when in the middle of a game, I'm like, look, you don't have to worry. Like, I'm on your side. Yeah. It, like, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll stress you. I'll I'll put pressure on you. Mm-hmm. But the more that you give me, and the more that you tell me, the better off I'm going to be. And I, I have trust from those players. Like, one of the players, Katie, she she played in the game previously where she got cursed, and mm-hmm. it was terrible for her. She got cursed in my game by an action that she took. But she wasn't worried at all because she she was like I, I I'm not usually down with being cursed but you know it's you it's fine yeah and yeah it's been an interesting like push it's pull curse. it makes a big impact on the table when you know that that's the way it works and to me after all of these years of playing many 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 different games of many many different types mm-hmm. all right that you are going to get a richer story and a more enjoyable story in my opinion when you do things with your turn as a player other than i attack him with my longsword i got a 16 did it hit yes it hit okay i do x points of damage that's dull mm-hmm. it's boring yeah. it's effective well, but if you if you describe what you're doing and you get into that narrative flow back and forth with the gm yeah. it makes it way more interesting well, i think that we saw in the Eberron game that you ran last season, last, 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 the first game, game, the first game. Yeah. I saw it come out when all of a sudden I realized we could start doing things like Jen, we're climbing down a rope and Jen decides to use her action to just let go of the rope and halfway down, grab me and yank me down further and toss me back under the rope. So I'm further down so I can jump off the rope and fall less space while shooting into the air. Sure is pulpy. All yeah, very, very, very pulpy. But we both trusted Chris that even if we screwed this up, we weren't going to die. Yeah. And as a result... You might get messed up and, good, and as but, result, but it, you're not going to die. As a result, it went from a, all right, I moved 30 feet down the rope again, to a bunch of people, you know, parkouring off a rope while <laughs> shooting hand crossbows in the air no. and swinging at swords. It was fun. If you do that in a horror game, it probably wouldn't work. No, right? like, no. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's NBA all about, wouldn't, it's all NBA about wouldn't situation. Yeah. Unless, well, we did, we unless their MOS is something like acrobatics or something. MOS, MOS being different, right? Yeah. You yeah. call your MOS as athletics, yeah. I just give it to you. My, my point is just, yeah. you have to flavor that stuff to the game that you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, where was I going with that? I was going to say something. You're talking, I lost you're, talking your, you're talking about Katie's game just after you talked about her being cursed. We were talking, and Bob was talking about people being more willing to Making try Making it things. more interesting. Oh, it, you don't have to do it all the time either, no, right? No, like, you don't have to do it all the time. So it, 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 it's about pacing, right? Yeah, like yes. you do not need to describe every time you swing your sword, right? Like, but if I, I almost make it a point at the beginning, especially in a game that has that features combat and things like that. And I would do this in NBA too. Is like the first time you do something that is like a thing that you're good at. What are, tell me what that looks like when you do it mm-hmm. so that we all know at the table what it looks like when, sure. when you're fighting, right? Like, so mm-hmm. then you don't necessarily have to describe that, that every time, every time, because we have a pretty good idea of, at least in our minds, 
what it looks like, which is creating the, the shared narrative yes. space, mm -hmm. which helps with role-playing games, in my opinion. Like, yep. the minis on the map help with that, too, because then you can see what's going on. They mm -hmm. can also detract from certain things, but I think they help a lot better, more than they I think they, they convey are. a lot of information. Yeah. yeah. I'll add one more piece to this, and this is a thing I have done for many, many years. The easiest way to, on the fly, adjust how a combat's going is that very rarely do I assign the motivation of my NPCs to be do this at any cost, including death. In most cases, my NPCs don't want to die. Mm -hmm. So who does? Well, yeah. but if There's you think, some, yeah. I mean, no, no, but if you go back to like 80s D&D, when you open the door and there's four bugbears, their only existence and goal in life is to is to, to get killed by you. Uh, to, and, right, to exist until you kill. So like for instance until we started thinking about why they're there. Right, but <laughs> but as a so that I always have an out narratively. Most of my nearly all my NPCs, any anything that's of any kind of significance has a desire other than get destroyed. So in the case like when you guys bust in that facility the two Danfears, the two Daywalkers that were packing the cases, mm -hmm. their goal wasn't to fight you guys. Nope. Their goal was to get to the landing zone mm -hmm. with the samples to get, get away. Yep. And at the end, when the vampire went down, they basically made a deal. One of them was going to make a staged battle, and the other one was going to attempt to run out the building, which Jerry stopped. But they had no intention of attacking. They had a cooler in hand. Mm -hmm. They went for a burst of speed and ran into Jerry and, and got stuffed. Because they have their own motivations and goals. Yes. Exactly. But what it allowed me to do was the team was actually pretty busted up. It was getting late in the night. And I needed to get this whole thing kind of down, you know, to the conclusion. Sure. And so it was easy for me to basically remove a combatant that made sense, right? This, this one's running with the samples. He's not going to stick around and fight. Uh, and let you guys um, have a breather and then actually catch up and actually still stop. Every, you know, it, yeah. and it also made it pretty tense because yeah. once you introduce the runner in the scene, now it's like, oh, oh we got to let him out. Don't let him exactly. out. Exactly. That's fun, right? It's good needs and wants. Yeah. Like and luckily, I had, Jim, I had Jim and Sean backing me up because even though yeah. I stopped him, Jim and Sean took him down. Jim's yeah. literally one point of pistol yeah. left. Like, <laughs> yeah. Get him! Get him! They yeah. were they were get all... Get them! Get them! It was it was a messy it was, it was a was, messy messy fight. Like it was a lot of fun. Something that I love in any game like this was so much teamwork. Yeah. Backing each other up, watching each other's back, everybody focusing on their strengths and then like if somebody faltered for some reason somebody else was there yeah. to pick them up. My core temp was up by the end of that. Yeah. Like, I was warm at the end of yeah. that. I, I'm the best gunner. a little hard there? Yeah. I, was, I was sweating it out. I, was, I, I didn't know how that was going to end. It, it was so yeah, tense was. that after many, many bad rolls on my part, I and literally flipped, flipped my dice tray. Flipped it. I did a table flip. I flipped my dice tray. My dice flew out of it. And then I took those dice. I put them in the sin bin, went back to my bag, and mm. pulled out four fresh ones. <laughs> now you only need one d6 for this game yeah but i always have multiples out in case one of them behaves poorly and i went through all four of those and they were behaving badly so then i pulled out four fresh ones and then i started rolling well again and that changed like the whole the whole thing for me it's funny because everybody got to do their specialty phil made a point of putting something in that encounter where bob got to be cool at hand to hand i got to shoot somebody i'm, I'm the i'm the explosives guy with a gun 
uh, Sean's character carries a sword cane around with him and got to sword cane somebody finally. You guys actually did yeah. all that. I can't yeah. take credit for that. I, I I built a box with some bad guys in it and some goals. You, you guys of, did yeah. a really good yeah. job of yeah. utilizing which, yourselves really games. well. Yeah. That's what but, you do with a but, game. But, yeah. but you also put stuff in there for Glenn, who's our who's our biochem expert, mm-hmm. to have a bunch of lab knowledge that got us got us things done. And Jim, who's our who's our techie, who got to do some things of programming and opening up. So every whether you meant to do it or not, you managed to put things in there so that everybody got a chance to do their cool thing and then back everybody else up. And so it felt like a team effort. It felt like an A-team. What's know? nice for Glenn is Glenn doesn't have a background in sciences. I do. Yeah. So it's actually easy for me to translate Glenn's uh, points in fringe science in, into stuff for Glenn <laughs> yeah. and just say, like, this is what Kestrel knows. Mm-hmm. So when Glenn was like, is there any way I can seal them into the lab? I was like, Yes. Like this is a biohazard three laboratory. It has a uh, it has an airlock. Yes, you absolutely can set off the, con- the uh, all you contamination. Do, all you got to do is hit the big jolly red candy like button. Yep. Sure. <laughs> yep. But again, to go all the way back to yeah. so to wrap this up mm-hmm. to bring this around to conclusion, we were talking about trust. And to my point, if you at, at the point where you were ready to flip the dice tray, if you had just been like this next die roll, I'm just going to make this thing happen. Like I'm just going <laughs> to give myself a seven. Like, I'll spend a couple points and whatever this die rolls, I'm giving myself a seven. I'd have not said a word to you. I couldn't see it because I'm across the table from you. But I yeah. swear, if I had seen it, I also would not have said anything about it. Like, I would have just been like, you're frustrated. You burned a lot of points. You're taking a lot of damage. At this point, a win here will make this more enjoyable for you. <laughs> I would have. I also was starting to slide the numbers down on the <laughs> vampires. But honestly, if you had just told me seven, I'd have been like, yes. Good job, Bob. Yeah. It's okay to slide your DCs down. The, yeah. the problem, the problem was Bob went to like Bob was rolling and he's like four. And I'm like, no vampire has a four. Yeah, like yes. just I'm not, like I can't, like I don't have anything where I can get it wasn't, myself. It wasn't Gree bad with like five dice and all of them come up ones. Yeah, but it was it was bad enough rolling. But that who, was who, a spectacular failure. Who who described that? Because Bob was Bob was in a fight where he kept just missing, just missing, just missing, just missing, just missing. Who described that as the the Berlin fight from the? I did. Yeah, I did. It's looking like the Berlin fight. We're just like we're both two. just like slamming into each other but not hurting each other, bouncing yeah. off the walls. Which. Made sense narratively for the game, which was a lot of fun. Yes, well, I drew from its primary source material. And, of course, also to NBA's credit, NBA has some rules built in to push the narrative description because if you, for a certain subset of general skills, if you give a description of what you're doing and and kind of embellish with, like, jargon and stuff like that, you can get an on-the-spot three-point refresh to that skill. So if you describe how you're, you know, I, I, I pop the magazine out of my pistol, I reach for the pistol that's got the Wolfsbane rounds in it instead of the incendiary rounds, because I know Wolfsbane's better on the Damphiers, <laughs> and I slam that thing home chamber the first round and get ready for that Damphier to come out, like I get a, a, a three-point refresh to my shooting, and I was down to one point in shooting at the time. So now I've got four points that I can spend on this one roll if I really want to, which I did. <laughs> and I popped that damn fear like there was no tomorrow. So once again, everybody gets very narrative for a second, yeah. which could be a lot of fun because it's also especially good because it comes later in the story. So when mm-hmm. everybody's kind of all of a sudden, hey, I'll be narrative for, for, for 15 seconds and get something back. And all of a sudden that kind of refreshes the whole group's like enthusiasm. It's a fun. It's a fun rule. Yeah. Every once in a while we get to remind everybody at the that table rule? that they I can do, do it. Yeah. Yeah. But It's a cool little rule. Yeah. I remember right. a lot about nice black Okay, that's uh, us talking about good times. Trust the cheating, cheating, cheating and, and trust. 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 Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoy that, and we will catch you next time. See you.